do your research, but honestly, the best thing to do is find somebody you really trust. Because, you know, what I find is anglers confuse themselves more surfing the internet, looking at reviews. And it's like I tell people, every piece of equipment I have, I can show you a good review and I can show you a bad review. You know, so find somebody you trust and just trust them. That was Travis Duddle sharing an important tip that we drive home today on the podcast. This is the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, episode 133. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show today. I'm excited to share a second podcast we're launching that should be a huge help if you have an outdoor business and want to improve your online presence. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash online so you get updated when the big show launches very soon. Today, I have Travis Duddles, the owner of the Gorge Fly Shop, on to break down how to choose a trout rod. We find out what the best rod is for the money, why shaking a rod for feel really doesn't work, and the best line to match up with each of the rods we cover. Echo, Reddington, Scott Sage, Scientific Angler, and more are all on tap today. I love this one when Travis talks about his uh, first time opening the fly shop at the age of 17. Pretty good stuff. Before we get started, let's hear from our sponsors. Since 1977, the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal has long been considered the Angler's Magazine, with original how-tos and technical articles written by the best trout and steelhead anglers in the West. They are committed to sharing exceptionally written essays, fiction, poetry, and in-depth guides to fly tying. FTJ is one of my go-to magazines, and if you haven't checked it out recently, you can get started today by calling 1-800-541-9498 or heading over to the web at ftjangler.com. Gotfishing.com is your trusted source of information with access to the world's best fishing trips. You'll never pay a dime extra for the trip you book, and in many cases, less than advertised. Find out where Got Fishing could take you by heading over to gotfishing.com today. That's G O T fishing.com, or reach them by phone at 208 630 3373. the easiest place to start your next fishing adventure. So, uh, without further ado, Here's Travis Duddles from the Gorge Fly Shop. How's it going, Travis? Good. How about you, Dave? Good. Uh, it's great to finally get you on here. Uh, we've uh, we've been chatting for a little while, actually, actually a long while. I've been uh, talking to you. We're going to dig into some of our, our past connection here in a little bit. But um, before we get into all that, can you talk about how you first uh, got into fly fishing and then how you brought all that up to the Gorge, uh, the fly shop? Oh, I started fly fishing when I was about eight. I uh, got pretty interested in tying flies and and started tying flies locally, commercially, when I was about 10. And then about the time I was 12, I was tying for a handful of shops, Crane Prairie Resort down in Bend, and that just kept growing. And then I was about 16 when I decided I really wanted to open open a fly shop here in the Gorge and, and opened it February of 92. I was 17 years old. No kidding. That was the beginning, yeah. You you opened a fly shop at 17. Yep, yep. That's yep, graduated early and and opened a opened a shop the spring of my senior year. That's amazing. God, I didn't know that. That's really cool. So 
uh, that's got to be what I mean. I imagine there's not a lot of people that could say they opened a fly shop at 17. I, I mean, actually, I've talked to at least, uh, I think, one. But have you? Yeah, you there's a couple out there, yeah. actually. Yeah, there's a couple out there. So, huh. so, so it's just our love of the sport. You know, it starts early. That's cool. So what, what, you know, made you at 17 and thinking, because there's a lot of ways you could have gone, right? I mean, you could have started guiding, you could have done a lot of things. What, why, why the fly shop? What was the big thing that really got you into, you know, wanting to open a fly shop? Well, I think at the time, um, there was a need here and, uh, you know, I, I won't say that I was a business expert or anything being 17. So it was a little bit of luck. But the area had a lot of tourists coming to it with uh, all the windsurfing at the time. And so, you know, it was just with all the different fishing around this area, it just seemed like a perfect fit. And, you know, I I decided it was better than making it halfway through a year of college and dropping out. So... Mm -hmm. So we decided to go for it. And if it didn't work, we had a whole lot of fishing gear. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's cool. And and what is your uh, what do you consider your your home river? Oh, the Hood River. Oh, it is. Yeah. You know, I grew grew up fishing that and caught my first steelhead on a fly there when I was about 12 and and you know, I've I don't know. I've caught hundreds of steelhead over the years mm-hmm. and and there's some trout in there too. We do a little trout fishing on it, but but definitely the hood's my home river and, and, you know, the Deschutes is right there. I probably fish the Deschutes now more than the hood, Yeah. but, uh, that's just because if I'm going to take a day off and go fishing, I kind of got to get away because if I stay close, I end up doing other things. So, yep. so yep. it's, uh, you got to pl- plan it and get away. That's right. That's right. And the hood river is a pretty unique basin, uh, mainly because can, you guys are in a weird place. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. And I'm not, I mean, weird being good. You know, it, the Hood River is right on this border between the west side of the state and the east side where you're transitioning to wet to dry, right? You're kind of right in the middle. And the Hood River is also kind of right in the middle. Can you talk a little bit about the diversity of, of that area? It is. You know, you get on our east side of the hills and it's more, you know, there's a lot of oaks that's starting to dry out and you get on the west side and, you know, it's dense, uh, I guess you call it rainforest here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the denser, more like what you see at the coast and stuff. Um, from Hood River, if you drive 20 minutes to the west, you are literally in, in the rainforest of the Cascades. Yeah. And if you drive 20 minutes to the east, you are in the high desert. <laughs> so... So, you know, and then 20 minutes to our south is Mount Hood, yep. and 20 minutes to the north is Mount Adams. Um, and then, of course, we're right on the Columbia River. So, yeah, it's a very cool unique place. A lot of variety. It's a cool spot. A lot you, of variety. And you don't ever get tired of the wind? Um, you do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> you get tired of the wind. I mean, it doesn't always blow, but... How often, when you look at a whole 365, how many days is it is it blowing out there? At least half the time. Mm. At least half the That's time. That's not bad. No, no. I mean, this time of year, we don't get as, as much wind. Same thing in the fall. Wintertime, we get the cold east winds. And then in the summertime, you get your westerlies. But yeah, it's we've had summers where it blows, you know, 90 out of 95 days. Yeah. Um, that's not un- uncommon at all. That's cool. That's cool. Well, I want to dig in. I want to come circle back to that 17-year-old uh, uh, kid, you know, open to the shop, uh, it, it, maybe a little bit light, later if we have time, because I think that's really pretty cool. But um, 
Let's dig into sure. some rods and lines. I actually had a person that listens to the podcast recently, and they were asking, they're in the market for a new trout rod. And I was hoping we could maybe just talk about trout rods and selecting a rod and line and, you know, how somebody might that somebody like that might go about it. And he's not brand new, you know, he's been doing it, but he's got some questions about what to do. So can, can you just start us off, talk a little bit about, you know, when you think about rods, it seems like there's all sorts of different ranges of, um, you know, prices. Can you talk a little bit about what, what somebody should be thinking about when they're choosing their next rod? Sure. Well, the first question for everybody is is always going to be, are you going to replace a rod or is it going to be a rod in addition to, to the rod you already have? Because if you're going to replace your main trout rod and you need something versatile, you're probably looking for a nine foot five weight. Mm-hmm. If you're going to add to what you already have, then we need to see what type of, you know, situations you're going to do with that rod. So that's always the first question that helps us decide which direction to go on a rod. Okay. From there, because it is confusing for people, there's all different prices and and all different uh, models of rods. And the thing I hear all the time is, you know, I don't want to spend that much because I'm not that good. Right. Um, that's honestly probably the biggest mistake uh, an angler mm-hmm. could make. I always tell people buy by budget because if your budget tends to be that once you see the difference, you'll go to a better rod or a better piece of equipment, then you're probably going to spend a lot more in the long run. Yeah. And we watch people do it all the time. They spend a hundred dollars on the first rod, 300 on the second, 500 on the third. And then they finally go up and spend eight, 900 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I always tell people there's there just cause you spend a lot doesn't mean you can get a good rod. And that's where you probably should get some good advice because there's all different tapers um, the tapers, you know, where the flex point of the rod is. Uh, if you get a rod that's too fast for your skill, then it's harder to cast. Uh, if you get a rod that's too soft, it may not have enough power. So I usually, in an all-around round rod, look for something right in the middle, kind of that medium fast to, to moderately fast. That tends to be a good all-around taper. And I tell anglers, buy, you know, spend what you can, because as you move up, they get more efficient. Mm. The more efficient they get, the more feedback you get, and the quicker you learn. Yep. Yep. Okay. And and what and so on that price one, you mentioned the, the 100, 300, 500, 800. And I mean, do you, and there's even some that are higher than that, like 1,000, uh, sure. 1,500. I mean, can you talk about some yeah. of the, the rods you would re- recommend? So if somebody was coming in there, I guess maybe let's just take four rods. Let's say they got, you know, uh, 200 or under more of the 500 range, more of the 800 than more over 1,000. What, what would you say if they came in, they need a nine foot five weight, they, they're just replacing an old rod they have that's you know kind of an old not that great of a rod do you have a a rod that you'd recommend or how how do you choose between because you have multiple companies there right we do we have a lot of different companies i think we're up to 13 different rod companies now and every company's got its strong suit Uh um you know it seems like you know every year somebody's kind of being replaced as our favorite high-end rod and same thing in the lower end you know, in that 200 and under range, uh, we have a lot of great rods by Echo and Reddington. Um, we sell a lot of the the Echo uh, Carbon. That's okay. a good rod for about 150. Okay. Um, and then the Reddington Vice at about 
200 mm-hmm. um, at around $300. Uh, we have a handful of choices, but, but we tend to prefer the Sage Foundation. We mm-hmm. just tend to find that to be a, a better value. And it is kind of your first step into the U.S. made rods okay. in what we carry. And there's some advantages there with warranty repairs down the road. You know, Sage, for example, has mandrels where they can build parts for rods that are 20 years old. <laughs> so so there's some advantages there. Um, the next price point's right around 500 that we tend to see a real big difference. And, and you know, we have, we have kind of four rods around that range, the... The Sage Pulse, the Loomis IMX Pro, the Scott Flex, and the Thomas and Thomas Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to tend to you know think the the IMX Pro at that range tends to be a favorite. Um, the Pulse is a real close second. You know they're all four great rods. Yeah, you're kind of splitting hairs, right. but but that IMX Pro. Okay, and then you know your next price point that you see a lot of rods at is that eight to 900 range. Yep. And, uh, you know, we've got rods, you know, the Winston air is a great rod. Uh, the Loomis NRX plus is a good, really good rod. Uh, the Sage X, mm-hmm. um, the Sage LL and the difference between the LL and the X, the LL is a much softer rod. So if somebody's doing a lot more close quarters and more delicate presentation, they might go that route if they're doing more heavy nymphing and and needing a little more power. Um, the Sage X, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know there's the kind of the new price point which Loomis set a few years ago with the Asquith, and you know they've got a rod that's eleven hundred bucks. And I always tell people when they go, "Who would spend eleven hundred bucks?" I look at them with a smirk and say, "Don't cast it; <laughs> you'll want it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah that's probably the biggest mistake that a be, that a beginner or an intermediate caster makes is they don't think that they'll be able to appreciate a a more quality rod and it's actually just the opposite in a perfect world a beginner would start with the most efficient rod on the shelf yeah that's right so so that gives us a little rundown so yeah so based on your budget that's a great tip you know and we we gave a little Example there, and the uh, the Asquith is more of the over a thousand. What was the Loomis rod at the lower end? There wasn't one at the very far. What's their lowest end? IMX Pro. And what? And that one's in the three hundred range, or it's it? No, it's five twenty five. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Loomis now. is just another. Yeah. They're kind of that upper level. They don't really have any of the the low lower cost lower price point. Yeah, it's getting harder and harder for those companies to do a oh. say a three hundred dollar rod. Just you know, I don't know what Sage makes on the on the foundation now, but you know, I've heard things over the years that $300 companies are barely breaking even sometimes on us made rods. Oh, no so. kidding. Yeah, yep, that's right. That's right. Well, and the, the company, I mean, I think about all those companies. So out of all those companies, I was, we just mentioned before off air, I talked to George cook, cook. I was editing that podcast and he's, you know, been the sage rep for a while. Um, Tom Larimer, who we obviously know he's, um, with G Loomis. Oh, I guess he's not the rep. Yeah, exactly. But who are the other companies that are local, uh, more local that that are around the, your area? Or the, you know, the well, Loomis, Loomis and Sage, of course, are are you know the two that are the closest. Um, Reddington and Echo, you know, they're going to be your import rods. Yeah, and and uh, 
you know, the next closest is Winston and then Scott and, and, you know, they're, they're Montana and Colorado. Where is, uh, where is Sage? Sage is Bainbridge Island, Washington. Oh, oh, Bainbridge. Really? God, I didn't even know exactly. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. So they're right up there. Yep. Uh, Yep. Yeah. So they, they are pretty local. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not far away at all. And they've been there for forever since they started. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess, uh, and I was trying to get to that point, you know, the difference between the low end and the high end. And we've talked a little bit about this with uh, people, some, definitely some guests on the podcast, but basically what you get is a more efficient, a lighter, uh, I mean, what, any other attributes to the more expensive rod that you're going to get compared to the more of the 300 range or lower? Well, probably the biggest thing is, is the better the graphite material, which tends to, um, compare to cost, the better the graphite material the the more you rely on the graphite for power, so they can typically taper the blank at a more comfortable taper and not have to make it as stiff. So you get a lot of line speed. Line speed's good. Line speed's what gives you accuracy. It's what gives you power into the wind. It's what gives you control. But you can get more line speed with a much more comfortable or a softer taper, mm. gotcha. if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And is that similar to, you know, because we hear a lot about fiberglass now too these days and they're more of a, a softer rod. Is there a compar- comparison there uh, on the fiberglass end? Well, it's hard It's hard to compare. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't tell anybody that a fiberglass is a more efficient rod. Um, there's a lot of people going to fiberglass for the retro um, yep. casting aspects of it. Um it's you know you're not going to get as much fill obviously and and you're not going to get the line speed it doesn't mean fiberglass is a bad material it's just it's hard to compare fiberglass yeah. and graphite that's right you know there's there's a world of difference totally difference and and do you feel that the fi- the graphite's been getting faster and faster and faster at, to a point where maybe some people feel like it's almost too fast and they're going back to fiberglass or what's your take on that well, that's you hear that, yeah. but truthfully, we have a few rods on our shelf that are some of the softest graphite rods ever, you know, that have been built. Um, the mistake that anglers make is they judge a rod by shaking it. <laughs> yeah. We see it all the time. That's they right. grab a rod off the shelf and go, "This is too stiff. Oh, this yeah. is what I want." Yeah, and you cannot yeah. tell by doing that. Yeah. I don't care how good you are. And that's simply because the lighter a, gra- a material is and the more efficient a material is, the less it will shake under its own weight. Mm. And so so I do this all the time. I'll grab a rod and say, oh, that one's too stiff. I don't know why everybody likes that. It's just too stiff. And I go over and I grab another rod that's going to feel similar, and but I know is a faster taper. And, and I always tell people, don't confuse taper and line speed. There's nothing bad about fast line speed. You know, you can get too fast of a taper and struggle with that. And so I'll grab two rods and the one that's, you know, the more efficient rod that feels stiffer when you shake it. I'll put a little weight on the tips and then I'll look at them and go, which one's actually flexes deeper? And a lot of times they're surprised that rod they thought was stiffer actually flexes a lot deeper than what they thought. Right. And that's that goes back to the efficiency. The lighter that material is for its given strength, the less it's going to flex itself when you shake it. But the more power 
goes to the line, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that does. And that's why when you grab fiberglass and you shake it, it wobbles all over the place. And it's just because it has got a lot more weight to strength ratio. Okay. But but you can easily buy the wrong rod. You know, we will get people that, um, you know, end up buying a really fast tapered rod and they spend a lot of money and they want that rod and then they come back and go, I can't cast it. You know, I'm struggling with it. Or they end up overlining it to the point that they've taken all the performance away from the rod. And that's just buying the wrong taper. Right. Okay. Yeah, that, that, that clarifies. So I'll actually put a link um, I'll, I'll, at uh, wetflyswing.com slash rod, R-O-D. I'll put a, um, a link to some of the stuff we're talking about and links out to your site. I'll cover this a little bit more on sure. the, um, the affiliate uh, link uh, we have going here. But um, I wanted to kind of clean this up, too, and get into the lines a little bit because I think, obviously, that's a sure. big part of it and you know, line, getting the right line for the rod. So we've talked about a few rods. What what lines uh, you know do you recommend if somebody comes? And I, I guess also we're talking about, you know, coming into the shop is the best thing, obviously, if they can. But, you know, if somebody is out there and they were picking something up, you know, through online, where I'm trying to get to that point where we could say, you know, this is what you would recommend. And say we got a nine foot sure. five weight. What, what, what do you recommend for lines? Well, the tough one with that, and that's where they probably should call if they can't come in, mm-hmm. just to at least before they make their purchase online, get the right line. The first thing we always ask is, just like with the rod, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Secondly, it's what rod do you have? So I literally treat rods like cars and lines like tires. Hmm. Um, everybody wants to understand fly lines. You know, consumers, they'll come in and go, they're just making it too confusing. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to buy. And I look at them and go, that's a good thing. Yeah. And they kind of look at me funny and I go, because now we have so many choices we can dial your rod in for the purpose, you know, what you're going to use or what you're, how you're going to cast that rod. Or we can dial it in for what we call feel, which is dialing that rod in so it's as easy as possible to cast. And you can do lines to do both, but, you know, a more experienced angler might, might go more for a specialty purpose line. And, uh, and the average angler should probably worry more about loading the rod up for, for its best performance and easiest casting. Um, so the tough part with that one is Dave is literally between two different rods. We might recommend totally different lines Gotcha. Um, for ease. I mean, it's really, I, I tell people it's just like if you had a garage and in there you had a Honda Accord yeah, family, you know, car, you had a four wheel drive pickup truck and you had a brand new Corvette. If you put the same tire on all of them, the Honda Accord won't care. Yep. The truck's going to get stuck in the mud, and the Corvette's going to hit the first wall on Friday night race night if you take it to the track. <laughs> and and so so that makes it tough yeah. um, for anglers just to go out and buy stuff. I mean, yep. unfortunately, you know, we don't have the time to call everybody that that orders online, but, you know, we see combinations constantly that it's like, Oh, you know, their friends helping them shop again, you know, we have a little saying buddies help buddies buy equipment twice. (laughs) Um, not that all friends don't know what they're doing, but you know, they just don't have as much experience. Yeah. So if you had to pick some of the, you know, kind of top lines that we sell, but still it's going to be dependent on your rod. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the Rio Golds and Grands. The Golds is, is the gold is kind of a a longer taper, um, and it's designed for really softer rods or that person that is a true distance caster, maybe lake fishing and casting longer range. Uh-huh. Um, the Grand is is more of what I call uh, you know our highly modified weight forwards. It's a weight forward taper, but they've moved a lot more of the weight up in the front 10 to 15 feet and it's a little bit heavy to begin with. So you get the feeling at 10 and 15 feet of line out of your rod, you get the feeling of a lot of load. Mm. And the reason why that is, is think about trout fishing on the Deschutes. If you're casting more than 25 or 30 feet, you lose all your line control. So you need to move up closer. So most of the time you're casting with 10 or 15 feet of line out the rod tip. And you need that rod to load well at that range. And that's what that line does well. Hmm. So, and it works really well on fast rods for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other line that's been really popular for us is the scientific anglers amplitude smooth in the infinity taper. That's a really good all around line. And it tends to like, uh, it tends to match up really well with a lot of our, medium fast and fast rods and it's a great all-around taper okay perfect and those are two lines i think the rio is more of the local line and uh, scientific angler obviously i mean they're both pretty uh, common lines right all around the country oh yeah yeah you'll find them all around yeah definitely yeah yeah okay so the rio I, I, yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna say you know that's it's, it's we get that all the time. What's your favorite fly line? And it's like, it's so tough because, you know, we're 25 years ago when I had the shop, it was a Cortland 444 SL or a peach 444. And you put it on, you put your favorite line on every rod you own. And there were a lot of rods that we thought back then weren't very good. And you know what? If we had those rods back today and we had all the fly lines we have, they might be a whole lot better than what we thought. No kidding. So that's it. And Cortland has obviously been around for a long time. Um, And they're still in the game, too. I think they've gone through some different ownership. Um, But I do remember that 444 was, yeah, that was it, man. That's all you needed. They pretty much, you get that one. And you were were good. A little double taper even right back then. And do you see the double taper thing? Is that that not a, a popular thing anymore? It's still there. Um, you know, you definitely don't sell many. And like I explained to you guys when they ask, you know, why why is a double taper bad? It's not bad. It's just you don't have choices in tapers. You know, there's yeah. only a few tapers out there. And with these highly modified weight forwards, you can do so much when you get the right line. Um, I tell people I can change lines on a rod out here on the casting lawn. And literally, you'll swear I changed rods. Hmm. It, it makes that much of a difference. No kidding. But with double tapers, you don't have that ability. You know, there's yep. just not that yep. that many variations of double tapers. Okay. And, and so that's the – so if we looked at the Rio Grande, just to kind of make – maybe simplify a little bit just for one example here, what would be a, a rod in the – say in that middle of the range, the 500 range um, – you know, say somebody's upgrading their nine foot, you know, five weight, whatever rod they have, what would be a good rod that would line up with that Rio Grande that we mentioned before? 
Well, for the average angler that, you know, they cast between that 45 and 60 foot maximum range. Mm -hmm. And that would be in a lake situation. In a river, they shouldn't be cast more than 30 feet. Uh, Both the Sage Pulse and the uh, IMX Pro, that's a really nice line on there for anglers because it loads in close easy, but yet, you know, it still gives them that cast of 60 feet. Um, it's okay. a good match. And, and what was that? Can you clarify that again? The 30 foot again, you said that you mentioned there with the lake. Uh, so with the Sage Pulse, well, is there a, a max distance that you're going to be casting this thing? No, no, it's, it's what it is, is most anglers, they hit a wall with their casting ability between oh. 45, 60 feet. Yep. So in a lake, that's where you might be casting 45 or 60 feet. You can cast longer range in a lake. Gotcha. You don't have current. In a river, anglers are always trying to reach out a little further, but honestly, if they just wait a little closer and keep their cast short, they have much better line control. And in a river with all the current, that line control is really critical. Yep. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. And then and then again, so the Rio Grande, and, that's, and you mentioned um, the difference was, and the real goal, the difference is that one's a little more uh, performance for longer casts and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah, longer cast or softer rods. You or know, softer if, rods. Okay. If, if the average angler puts, say, a, a real gold on about half the rods that I talked about and went to cast all day at, you know, 15 to 25 feet, he's probably not, he or she's probably not getting the load out of the rod that they need mm-hmm. because they they're in, they're at a skill level that they need to feel more what's going on and if your rod's not loaded you don't have control no nope. no nope. and so the go- the gold is better on softer rods or you know for somebody that's going to be cast in longer range in a, a lake situation okay Okay, perfect. Yeah, we won't dig into all. I mean, there's all sorts of uh, rabbit holes we can go down with still water and uh, Euro nymphing. Oh, definitely. I mean, we're just, I'm trying to keep this focused just because I think it, it will help some people that are maybe just in the market for a, a general, whatever you would call that, a generalist rod. So we're, we're thinking nine foot, five weight. Um, and so I guess before we go to the next uh, thing here, if we were going to that more of the 800 or or $1,000 range in that area, what, what with the Grand, with the Rio Grand, would there be a rod that would sit well with that one? Um, the NRX Plus would work pretty well with that one. What what you find as you get up into these, these higher-end rods, I tell people they're a little more line temperamental. Mm-hmm. And that's not bad. It's more, it's not that they won't cast with a, with a lot of these lines. It's that certain lines don't feel very good on them. And the reason why that is, is you get a lot more feedback to your hand. You get a lot more um, feeling of what the line's doing. Hmm. And so, say a grand has a pretty short, um, really heavy front 15 feet in the taper, and then it transitions into, you know, the head narrows down and then goes back to about 30, 35 feet and then tapers down to the running line. So you, it, it will cause a little little bit of a clunk, you know, when it turns over. And there's a lot of those rods, like a Sage 1, for example, the Rio Grande was my favorite line, fishing streams. The Sage X is a really close rod to the Sage 1 when it comes to performance but it's a little bit more efficient you put a real grand on that rod it doesn't feel that great Mm. 
and it's because you really feel all that clunk. So, so if I were to put a grand on any of those, it would probably be the NRX Plus um, or a Scott Radiant. Okay, that's where I think the grand works better on the Asquith, on the on the uh, Sagex, on the NRX LP. Um, I think that uh, you know something like that Scientific Angler's Infinity, from oh. a fishing standpoint, tends to be a more comfortable fishing line. Gotcha, gotcha. The Affinity. Okay. Cool. Well, I think that gives us a little perspective. And I guess just to wrap this thing out on uh, selecting these things, I mean, again, reel, I mean, we're talking rods, lines, you know, probably the most important thing when you get down to trout, the reel is less important. But would you um, would you have a reel that, say, you sell commonly with a, a rod? Um, you know, again, if we were at that $500 price point with the, um, you know, with the Sage Pulse, what, what reel would you tend to set up with it? Well, you know, I kind of have this theory that, that reels do matter. Um, they don't matter as much as the rod and the line. So when you're on a budget, obviously we don't want to spend $500 on a reel if you're only going to spend $500 on a rod. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite kind of price point or lower end, but not, you know, ultra low end reel is the Sage Spectrum C. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's about 150 bucks for a five, six and tends to be a real good reel for the money. Um, it's been real reliable for us and it's got a pretty smooth drag. Um, mm -hmm. of course, you know, all anglers want to disc drag. The thing I always explain to them on trout is, is that's great, but keep in mind the smoother that drag is, the more you can actually use it on trout. Because if your drag is not ultra smooth, then when you're fishing 5X or 6X oh, yeah. tippet over on the Deschutes, you're just going to pop fish off. Yep. And so really good carbon fiber drags are are uh, are what we prefer if you're going to go to a disc drag on trout. And and they're going to cost a little more. They're going to be in that 300 to, you know, 400, even up to 500 range. Mm -hmm. uh, for something like, a say, a Nautilus X-Series, uh the Sage Spectrum LTs are really nice carbon fiber drag, and then the Bauer SSTs. Okay, and, and the Spectrum, I, I know that was one George mentioned when we were talking. So Spectrum at the higher end, say the nine ten, is that going to be a um, a carbon d uh, drag? Well, so the Spectrum's divided up into four series. There's the Spectrum C, then the next step up is the Spectrum, then there's this next step Spectrum LT. And then the Spectrum Max. So the difference is they're all carbon fiber, but they're all the discs are stacked differently and use different components. And so you know the Spectrum LT and the Spectrum, they're both good drags. They're not going to be as smooth as say the Spectrum LT. That's one of their smoothest reels they build. Okay. And then the Spectrum Max, that's kind of the heavy duty big game reel. Um, you know, that's what I'd recommend if somebody was going bone fishing or okay. tarpon fishing. And uh, so so as you move up in series, they're, they're each going to kind of have their own specialty. And, you know, the LT, like I said, it's more the trout reel. And then the Spectrum Max is the heavy-duty big game reel. 
Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think that gives uh, gives uh, everybody a little rundown on uh, some ideas. And obviously, there's the best thing to do would be to come into a local fly shop. And if you can't, then maybe call would be the next thing. But like I said, I'll try to put some links to some of the stuff we're talking about at uh, wetflyswing.com slash rod and, and I'll you know, I know, uh, the person I'm thinking about on this one, he's, I think this is going to help him because, um, you know, having multiple price points and just understanding what you get is, I mean, anything else we're missing there on the rod, you know, selecting a rod anything else you want to add? Well, I always tell anglers when I'm talking to them on the phone, you know, to be really honest with them about their casting skill. You know, people are embarrassed to say that, you know, they're, they're not great casters. And, uh, you know, we get it all the time on the phone, you know, it's, oh yeah, I cast 75, 80 feet in the lakes. And yep. so you, you start setting them up that route and then they call and they're having troubles and mm-hmm. it's got you kind of confused and you got a good idea of what's going on. They're probably not quite as good a caster as what, you know, they let on to be. And then they get over here to, to maybe play with some different lines that I have on a rod and, you watch them cast and, yep. and, uh, you know, they're 60 feet with a good tailwind <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. That's the average caster. And honestly, in most trout conditions, if you're casting 30 feet, you're casting too far. And, uh, so, so what happens is, is the more honest they are about their casting ability, the better we can set them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I'll automatically just assume they're a 45 to 50 foot caster, no matter how far they say they cast, just because yeah. I've cast with enough anglers. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you subtract, maybe subtract 30% off of whatever anybody says, and that's probably more realistic. Yeah, well, you, you've seen our, our casting lawn we have, yep. and, and you know, it's a, it's a 12 foot wide by about 81 foot green uh, turf grass uh-huh. uh casting lawn and everybody wants us to stripe it every 10 feet you know it look like a football field <laughs> that's and, right and i always tell people now nah, we don't we don't put measurements on this no. because when the guy makes a 60 foot cast he just swore he cast 75 or 80 feet you just let him believe that <laughs> there you go and now a quick word from our sponsors gotfishing.com a boutique booking agency for fishing adventures around the world Got Fishing is unique in working with a small hand-selected group of outfitters from around the world that are known for providing an experience that is second to none. Got Fishing can be your trusted source of information with access to the world's best fishing trips. Their sole purpose is to help you plan the most authentic fishing adventure while making sure it fits within your budget. The beauty is that everything they do is 100% free. You will never pay a dime extra for your trip, and in many cases, less than advertised. I can attest personally to the service that Got Fishing provides as they have been working with me closely to set my first trip to the Yucatan for saltwater. They have taken care of all the important details and allowed me to avoid worrying about any of the complications. I know Brian and the crew have you covered at Got Fishing. Whether you need a fishing consultant, travel consultant, gear pro, or the like, they have you covered. With top-of-the-line outfitters they represent around the world, they are confident they have just the right trip for you. You can give them a call at 208-630-3373 or head over to gotfishing.com to get started today. Let Got Fishing help you plan the fishing trip you've been dreaming about. That's gotfishing.com. FTJ Spring Edition is packed with the best fly tying instruction, fly fishing techniques, destination articles, and fly fishing stories. 
Here are a few of the featured fly tires in the spring edition of the Fly Fishing and Tying Journal. Master fly tire Dave McNeese begins his multi-part tutorial on the secrets of dyeing your own materials. I know this is a hot topic because I've been uh, hearing about it from some listeners of the podcast, so this is going to be a big one. This is going to be super helpful. Uh, we find out also how to tie big durable flies for predator uh, predatory fish, an effective uh, cicada pattern, and we hear about a 14-year-old uh, fly tire who's who's kicking some butt out there, uh, lining up sponsors and ambassadors. So we're, we get to hear that story in the uh, in the spring edition. Also, Gary Lewis gives us a little rundown on Diamond Lake as he heads out there, and we're also going to be heading to San Diego with Joe Warren, who talks about tuna, dorado. Wahoo and more. Dave Hughes provides a tribute to Frank Amato in in the dish, the spring edition, and we get an update on the short story contest. Lots of additional content in this one, so uh, head over to ftjangler.com and subscribe so you don't miss any of the tips, tricks, and stories in the next issue. That's ftjangler.com to get started today. Uh, tell them uh, you heard about the. Uh, the magazine from the podcast and i'll figure out a way to make it up to you okay back to the show when you're out there i mean any you want to throw a casting tip maybe out for somebody you know again i think that is a struggle or, or where would they go if they want to become a more proficient caster what, what do you recommend well you know first off you got to practice Secondly, you know, taking lessons and just about every fly shop's got, you know, either classes or, or somebody to do private lessons. I always recommend private. Mm-hmm. I think you get much more out of it. Probably the biggest casting tip. Yeah. The biggest mistake made is that casters use way too much wrist in their cast. Oh. And, you know, there are people that are taught to cast with their wrist. And I'm not going to say that's completely wrong. But most people, when they use their wrists, they way over-exaggerate. The rod tip makes too big of an arc, and you never get the performance out of the rod. Oh, yep. So, so you want to keep and, keep a, a somewhat of a stiff wrist. Yes, yes, and that's and and there's lots of variations of that. Yeah. Yes, there are places you'll bend their wrists, but. For most casters, if you just tell them don't bend the wrist, they're going to get more out of a rod. And it's the hardest thing to do. It's a natural body movement, and you'll swear you're not doing it. And I always tell people when I'm on the phone with them and they're struggling and they've got a a rod and line combo that should be really easy, um, I always tell them if they're not here where they can come into the shop and cast, I say just take your phone and videotape yourself Mm -hmm. and watch that that uh that wrist because you you end up taking some of the load out of the rod and the rod's just not working as efficiently and i tell people it's like buying a brand new corvette and putting a throttle stop on it at 25 (laughs) percent yeah that would be tough it's not gonna it's not gonna give you the performance you want yeah that's right that's right nowadays man with these cars they don't put they're they're uh some of these uh these Dodges and all this stuff, these Ford Mustangs are crazy, right? They've got like 500 horsepower. There's there's no throttle stop oh, on more. any of those things. Yeah. Well, no, there's what they call the valet key. You know, you buy a new Hellcat and it's 700 and some odd horsepower and change. And 
you give them the valet key and they only get 500. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> nice. Cool. Uh, yeah, that is interesting. I love the wrist uh, conversation because I've had, um, you know, I kind of always, you know, thought about it as, yeah, you keep a stiff wrist and that's how I learned it. But, they, you know, I talked to some people like Joan Wolf, um, you know, who mentioned that she really, especially on that double haul, you snap, your, you know, at the very end, you snap it and that's when you do your second haul. And then, uh, Joe, um, I've had a couple other guests that have mentioned, you know, that snapping is a big part of it. Joe Humphreys mentioned that. And so I think you're right. There's Tim a lot Ray of variation Joe. in Tim. Tim Ray Joe. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he'll, he'll use, you watch him cast, but I think, you know, also you got to realize their skill level. And the range yeah. that those anglers are casting at. And I think the tough part for somebody that's newer to it is they will hear that or they'll see that and then they go way too far with it. And right. your body's going to naturally want to bend your wrist a lot. And, you know, yes, there are ways to sneak some extra power out of the rod with the wrist, but. First, you got to have good technique. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, no, that's a good. I think that's another whole another topic. Uh, you know, for a show, then yeah. I'll probably dig into later on it. But um, yeah, I did want to kind of wrap this up on some of the the rods and and the shop there. So, so one note I was kind of thinking about you. You know, one of the things you've got a ton of stuff, a ton of gear, all the, everything we're talking about. Thirteen different companies of uh, rods. I think you mentioned. Um, so fly tying isn't something you've you've uh, dug into at your shop, and you actually have some signature flies and stuff. What what was the reason behind that, and are you planning on ever getting into the fly tying game? Well, we 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 did the fly tying game for twenty. Oh, you did almost twenty seven years. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we just, it, it, you know, unfortunately for us, we live in an area that, that, uh, we have a small local clientele, you know, we've, we've got, we don't, we're not real close to the metro area and we're not right on a major river that everybody's traveling to fishing. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the traffic of tires usually comes out of your local clientele, but you've got, you know, some of those destination people that do it and, over the years, as the shop grew, you know, we kept watching the the, the fly tines area get smaller and smaller, and you know, the cells um, unfortunately never really supported the area that it took up. And it was about two years ago now that you know we finally, unfortunately, you know, had to make the decision that hmm. that uh, you know we weren't going to carry it anymore. Yep. And we we. Uh, the plan was, is, you know, if we're, if we're going to do tying, we wanted more products than what we could justify having because of our cells. The cells didn't, didn't support having more products. And eventually if we ever put it online, that's when we'll go back to, to having tying materials. Oh, gotcha. We just, we need to move enough volume of it to, to make it worth the time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, cool. And there's plenty of, obviously, these days there's so many resources. Uh, I mean, local. I mean, you got hairline is right down the, the, high, the you know, the highway down there. Lots of uh, resources. Um, but, but yeah, on the, sure. on, on the rods, so um, so what is your best, say, if we want to just jump into a best-selling thing, what, what is a trout rod 9-foot-5 weight? What, which one do you think is the one you, you sell the most of it in there? Well, probably the Sage Foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that 325, 
roughly $350 rod. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty easy upgrade for that person looking at something in that 150 to 200, you kind of point over to it and say, well, you know, here's some extra benefits for you. Um, and you know, they make that little step up, but you know, it's probably that rod at 325. And then honestly, it's, you know, the rods up in that 900 to 1100 range. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because once somebody sees the difference, uh, they tend to go right to the top. Yep. That's it. And then, and then what about for, I can't leave you, let you get out of here without talking steelhead just for a second. Uh, so what about steelhead rod? Best, best selling steelhead. If you talk about a, say a, um, a steelhead, maybe a spay, I don't know, an all around seven weight, you know, 12 and a half or 13 sure. seven weight. Sure. Well, we've got a lot of great seven weights. Um, you know, kind of at the top, there's that, that Loomis Asquith that of mm-hmm. course a lot of people hear about 13 foot seven. That's a great selling rod. Um, the Burkheimer's 7134 oh, yeah. are really nice rods. Uh, Winston air, the new air TH, um, they've got a really nice 13, three, seven weight there. And then, uh, Loomis's new NRX plus is, is a pretty nice little, uh, 13 foot, 13 and a half, three, seven weight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been nice. The Sage X. And then, you know, in that mid range, honestly, there's not a lot of what I would, you know, personally, and of course I'm offensive people. And I say this great 13 foot sevens, you know, yeah. uh, Loomis and their IMX pro series has got a great little 11, 11, seven weight. Um, if somebody goes with something a little shorter, and then, uh, you know, Reddington and Echo have got some, some great rods in that, you know, under $500 range. Um, you know, we sell a lot of the Echo TRs and the Echo uh, Full Space and the Reddington Chromers and mm-hmm. the Reddington Dualies. You know, those are, those are all good rods for that, that person on a, on a budget. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. All right. That gives us a little idea. So, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to be wrapping this up pretty quick. I just had some, I guess this is more of the rapid fire round to, to take us out of here. Um, you know, one thing I want to get back and touch on that, you know, again, that 17 year old, you know, back there, cause that just seems amazing. I think of myself when I was 17 and, you know, uh, owning a, a shop, you know, at that level is, you know, wasn't really on my mind probably not on a lot, a lot of people's mind, but can you take us to when you opened the doors there and, and what that felt like when you, and were you down at the down at that downtown store? Is that where you opened up? Well, we actually, for five years, were in a little spot in what they called the Oak mall. So it was, three blocks up the street from where we were um, before we moved out to our new location here. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just a little spot. It was mainly rant. You know, we, it was behind a little uh, breakfast and lunch diner called Betty's place. And, uh, you know, I shared, uh, there were four, four businesses in there. There was uh Betty's place, a little cafe diner. And then there was a travel agency and there was a hair salon and, uh, sorry, there's a fifth. There was Nicholas mm. photography mm. and, uh, it was kind of dumb luck. I ended up there and you know, what I didn't, didn't plan on was when the wind didn't blow, all the windsurfers came there to hang out and have breakfast. <laughs> so they were bored and wanted something to do. So we taught a lot of them how to fly fish. No, no kidding. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we were there five years, and then in 97, we moved down to the location that you remember there on Oak Street, 2nd and Oak, and we were there for 22 years, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, we moved out to the new facility here um, April of last year. That's right. That's right. And how is the new movie? Because you were down right downtown, and now you're kind of uh, about, what is about 10 minutes outside of downtown? Yeah, it's it's about you know from exit sixty four. I think we're we're right at about eight or seven minutes yes. from the oh, so see, from the freeway. Similar. It's it's actually worked out on the retail side better than what we thought. Um, just simply because we're getting a lot more anglers in the shop now mm-hmm. that just hated to deal with the the parking situation downtown. Yeah. Um, you know we've got they can pull in in their drift boat, their jet boat, yep. their RV. You know, there's just so many advantages that way. Um, and, you know, what it did was was we we had so many tourists coming in the shop that weren't interested in fishing at all that we had to spend a ton of money on labor to man the front door um, without the, yep. the revenues coming in to support it. And, you know, the online side supported that for a long time. The other problem was is we couldn't spend the time with anglers in the shop because we were constantly getting interrupted, you know, with questions and this and that. So yep. somebody fitting waders or somebody buying that new rod that honestly should be there for a while, they would kind of feel pressured and you know, they would they would they would leave just simply because they they would uh feel like they're eating up our time. Yeah. And and they shouldn't because that's you know that's what we're here for. But when, now that we moved, we sell far more rods and waders out of the front door, huh. um, which are the two things that you spend the most time deciding on. Oh, uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, because you've got a big open area and, yeah, tons that you can just drive up there. And that was the thing in the I, the old shop. Yeah, it felt like it was it was kind of, uh, yeah, everything felt a little tight. You know, you're tight there on the, the busy street downtown. So it makes sense. That's good to hear everything's working out. What, yeah, um, yeah. What, what do you think for, you know, if you had to give one tip to a new shop owner, somebody who's maybe thinking about having a shop or getting into it, what, what would you tell them? Well, I'd tell them what a guy told me several years ago. You should put your money in land. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, no. I mean, plan. I mean, it's a much tougher period to open a store today than it was when when I did. You know, there weren't that many fly shops around, and so so I think uh, you know there was a little bit of luck on my part when I started it. Um, but do a lot of planning. You know, make sure that area you know has the need, and keep in mind that. Uh, that no matter how many anglers you have, they still love to shop online today. So, mm-hmm. so that's probably the you know the biggest change compared to when I opened my store. Yeah, because when I opened my store, most everybody went into a shop. You had some mail order companies like Kaufman's, um, yep. but most people went into a shop. Now, most people shop on their lunch hour yep. from their phone. Yep. I mean, we see it here. We ship to Hood River. We live in Hood River. No kidding. Uh, oh, yeah. And we've done that for years. Um, you know, because that person may come in the shop once in a while, but when they're ready to buy something, they just click the button while they're on their lunch hour, and yep. the next day it's sitting at their door. That's it. 
So that's it. That that's why this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it is. Uh, Amazon probably had a lot to do with. Uh, you know, making that so commonplace, even, you know, next day shipping or, I mean, drones, all this crazy stuff they're talking about. And and you have a good, I mean, maybe we could just uh, plug that a little bit, talk about, you know, what we have going. So basically, you know, we have this, um, a link set up and so would, and I have a couple different links, but one I mentioned there, I'll, I'll put a, a at a wetflyswing.com slash rod. And there's another one at uh, slash echo that goes to one of the echo rods. But at that link, when people click through there, basically it, it tracks, they, they see that it came through uh, the wet fly swing website. And then if they get a sale, then this podcast, we, we get a commission. That's basically how that works, right? Sure. It's just a way to help you out. Um, and, you know, get some new customers our way. So, so the, it's set up so that if they enter through your website, through one of those links, then, um, it gives you credit for that, that sell that it was one of your customers. So you get a, a little commission that, you know, helps keep the podcast going. Yep. Yep. And, and that commission comes at basically no extra charge to the person. They, they're going to pay the same price for that, whatever that rod or whatever they buy there. It's just that instead of uh, a little bit of that money, that profit that you would have uh, received, you send over our way is basically how that works. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. There's no extra charge. I mean, it's still, still free shipping over $50 and all that for the customer. There's no change in any of that. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's a cool thing because the free shipping over $50, I think is a really great, a great thing because, you know, like we mentioned, like I mentioned there, Amazon, it's free shipping if you do the prime or whatever. So, I mean, essentially you're a, you're kind of competing a little, I mean, not really, but I mean, when you send this stuff, is it going out? I mean, how do you get that stuff out? Are you getting it out in two days, three days? How's all that work? Well, we do our best to try to have everything that, you know, we see that, that we should be selling in stock. Um, there's obviously stuff that we don't sell as much of that, you know, we'll order from a company or something, but if it's in stock, it, it goes out the same day. I mean, yeah. we, we really, uh, you know, work hard to, to get everything shipped the same day. Gotcha. So if they, so, so if that we, person was in Mississippi right now sitting there and they, and they were like, okay, I, I, that Sage Pulse with the the Rio Grande, you know, that sounds like a good setup. And they go there today and, and click that at your website. Would they, um, would you be shipping that out here? Oh, yeah. 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 So that yeah, would we be. We would have that all in stock and it would go out today. That would go out and today. And we ship priority mail standard. Um, and so we have customers in New York that get things in one or two days. Um, it can take up to four days, but, yeah. but you know, one to four days is pretty normal um we'll ship ups or fedex ground in the cases where it's a really heavy item um it's just a little bit more uh a little bit less cost that way but usually we're shipping priority mail and one thing i was thinking of dave uh you know speaking of these different uh outfits and Mm -hmm. stuff we've actually got if you go on our website under rods and then go uh go to Gorge Fly Shop Outfits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have got a a whole bunch of outfits that we've kind of pre-put together oh, for cool. people. Cool. So, you know, where we've matched the line for the best performance, and you don't have to think about that. Oh, good. And kind of, depending on the price of the rod, we kind of paired it with a reel to kind of match that quality. Okay. Um, 
So that'd be well worth taking a look perfect, at. Perfect, perfect. I'll, yeah, I'll take a look at that. And yeah, and I'll put a link. I'll put a little redirect. So if somebody, um, um, you know, actually that might be. I'll put a couple links there. But we'll, we'll, I'll make it clear so they can, if they wanted to purchase and give the a commission here to the podcast, I'll, I'll set that up so it's good to go. But no, that's great. So you you have that. That talks a little bit about kind of the different rods and different like what they're doing. You probably, do you have like a euro setup and all that stuff? We have some euro setups. Yeah. We have. You know, a bunch of like nine foot five weight setups. We've got some saltwater setups, a bunch of spay spay rod setups, and then we've kind of tuned up some trout trout spay setups also. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I'll, just to make it easy, I'll put one more uh, one more link over at uh, uh, wetflyswing dot com slash r o d s, and the the rods will be that link you just mentioned. So uh, let's wrap this up. I got a, just a quick a little. I usually kind of wrap it up with a two two two, and that's uh, top two tips, top two flies, top two resources. And it, we're talking trout fishing here, and and you mentioned you do a little trout on the hood, but would you? What would you be your two go to trout flies if you had to had to just pick two? Boy, if I just had to pick two, um, it would probably be a Hellbop leech, just simply because I've used them in so many different locations. And a dry fly, uh, my favorite all-around dry fly is still an elk hair caddis. Yep. I mean, it's nothing fancy, but but an elk hair caddis, you can imitate so many different dries with. That's right. What what color do you, do you have a, a color that you typically use more often? I'd probably use gray more than anything. Oh, yeah. Okay. And in the hellbop, probably brown or black. Okay, cool. And and what about, so, you know, tips. Do you have two tips? And we were talking a lot about choosing a rod, but do you have any other tips as far as maybe trout fishing that you'd throw out there? Well, I think, I think for trout fishing, like I said, the biggest mistake in rivers is anglers try to cast too far. Yep. You know, you line controls everything, so you've got to control your fly. Um you know, that's, that's really critical. And in lakes, probably the biggest mistake is anglers fish towards the surface too much. You know, they need to fish sinking lines and get deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, that's, that's really important. Or in, in today's world with all the jig patterns and stuff like that, you can still fish a leech off a floating line and fish it under an indicator. That's right. That's right. Are you doing a lot of that, uh, that balanced leech? Do you fish lakes as much as you do rivers? Um, yeah, I do. I yeah. do. Uh, I grew up l- with family vacations to Crane Prairie. So oh, we yeah. started fishing that in the early eighties. So I have a lot of lake experience and uh-huh. I've spent a lot of time doing that. Um, and yeah, you know, we find ourselves using more and more of those balanced leeches. Um, uh, I always tell people the, the reason why they work so well is because you're not moving your fly that much. And when I used to guide some private lakes, I always told my clients, it's not possible to move your fly too slow. Mm-hmm. It's not possible, but it's really easy to move it too fast. And uh, so I think it's a great way for anglers to learn how to fish their fly when they go to a sinking line. Yep. Because, you know, fish it slow. Get a slow sinking line and a, a fly that's not too heavily weighted and fish it slow. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. And then just to wrap that up, top two uh, – uh, resources. So, uh, I mean, if you look at trout fishing and you have a blog, right at your site, do you talk, I mean, you have updates and things. Do you, do you kind of blog and do anything more, more in depth there? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the guys will, will get articles from all different, uh, 
all different uh, people and anglers. Uh, we've got, you know, a lot of our manufacturers have got some awesome videos that they're starting to produce. And mm-hmm. so that's up on the blog whenever we get them. Um, there's, it's just, there's lots of great information there. That's cool. And didn't you have this kind of reason? I met Tom, uh, Tom Larimer was on like, way back in episode 11. And, um, he mentioned, I think, didn't you guys have a, a blog you started together, a different uh, website name? Yeah, we had, a, we had a website and, and, you know, we still kind of have it in the background, um, at the shop. It yeah. was called steelheadbum.com. That's right. And it just, it was a website that, you know, we started to, to kind of be, you know, the go-to spot for the steelhead fly angler. And, mm-hmm. and unfortunately both of us just time-wise was really tough. And yeah. so, you know, we ended up kind of taking it over at the shop and kind of setting it there, you know, on the back burner for future projects. And, sure. and uh, if we ever get enough staffing that, you know, we can kind of dive into that, you know, yeah. we definitely want to want to take that one the next step. That's cool. So, so basically somebody could still go to that site right now and get all the information? Yep, yep. There's, there's some information that's a little old on there, but mm-hmm. it's still relevant. Um, you know, some of the lines and stuff have changed a little bit, sure. but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's, there's still some great information there. Okay. Perfect. And, uh, and again, wrapping that up. So resources, what, as far as trout fishing, any other resources you would recommend that people check out? It could be book magazine, you know, videos, any other websites other than that's maybe not your own stuff. Well, you know, you know how it is nowadays. I mean, you can go on the web and search a topic and there's YouTube yeah. videos everywhere. Right. And of course they're not all, not all right. So you kind of surf them, but, but I would say that's probably honestly the, you know, one of the top places to learn now next to going out with a guide or, or, you know, taking, taking lessons. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and you do some guiding or, I mean, you don't do specifically or how do you, how do you work that? Yeah, I don't, I don't guide anymore. Um, you know, life just got too busy and I was always paying somebody to take my spot at the shop. So so I decided to save that time for my own fishing, and we work with several great guides. And we've got a section on our website with guides, kind of the breakdown of what they do. And then, of course, we get lots of people that call and you know want to know who they can book for a steelhead trip um, or yeah. a trout trip or a bass trip. Yep. Or, or uh, I mean, are those your – what do you what trips do you do mo- more of, do you think? More steelhead, trout, carp, bass? Well, there's definitely where we live because we are in the heart of steelhead country. Um, definitely, we get more anglers looking for steelhead trips than anything. Yeah. Um, but you know, we also got some phenomenal trout fishing with the Deschutes right in our backyard. So, so that's a close second. That's right. That's right. And it's almost we're getting around to salmon fly at a time again. Almost it seems like it's not yep. too far away. So yeah, couple months. Cool, Travis. All right, hey, that's uh, that's about all I have. Any um, you know, when you think about the conversation we had today, any um, anything you want to leave everybody with? Anything that comes to mind that you know everything we talked about that kind of we can leave them heading off in the distance with? Well, just like I said. Do your research, but honestly, the best thing to do is find somebody you really trust. Yeah. Because, you know, what I find is anglers confuse themselves more surfing the internet, looking at reviews. And it's like I tell people, every piece of equipment I have, I can show you a good review and I can show you a bad review. 
you yep. know, so find somebody you trust and just trust. That's them. cool. I, I love that you said that because, you know, the online space, which is kind of where, where I live a lot of the time, trust is, is probably even more important, you know, because you're not making that personal, you're not shaking their hand. You're not looking at the, you know, these people in the eye. So I love they said that because this is a big reason why I wanted you to come on to, to show people because I want people when they come and they say, Hey, I, I need a rod. And if they're looking for me to, to guide them, you know, I want to be able to direct them to somebody and you're, and you're that person, you know, and that's part of the reason why, you know, you're basically building that trust, you know, uh, for what I'm doing here. So I appreciate you coming on and, you know, sharing that information today. Well, thanks a lot, Dave. I, I appreciate all your help too. Um, Hey, uh, in the next, before I let you get out here, the next six to 12 months, anything new, uh, you've got coming on, you know, at least with the shop or I know the big move, you just had that, that was huge, but anything else we can expect from you? Well, um, we have got June 27th, what was last year, our grand opening party was such a success that we're going to do something similar. Uh, it'll be a customer appreciation party, but we're going to have, uh, all the reps here and, and a bunch of prizes and some different uh, seminars going on throughout the day. And and uh, we're working on trying to get the Ray Jeff brothers back to, to see if we can find another casting competition they can compete against each uh, other in. Cool. So that's June 7th. That's a, uh, is, that's a Sunday, June right? June 27th. Oh, June 27th. Uh, June 27th, yep. June 27th. And now I'm looking at that it's on my – It's a Saturday. It's a Saturday. And now I'm looking at that on my counter, and I'm not positive, but – yeah, I, I, I'm hoping to be there because I want to get there and uh, actually have some of our listeners of the show maybe come by too and have a little. A little well, that would be great. Yeah, we'll definitely set up a booth for you. Oh, cool, cool. Oh, so you're doing this is a full booth thing. You got you got the full deal going here. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it was a it was a big hit last year. Oh, we, cool. You know, we had we had uh, people fly in from Montana and no Spokane, and, and we, yeah, we had customers oh. from all over. Well, this is it. Uh, this yeah. is perfect because I think what I'll do is. Uh, you know, if it works, maybe I'll just bring my audio equipment and set up some mics and people can come down and chat and we can do some, you know, kind of hang out and just have fun with it. That'd be perfect. That'd okay. That'd be perfect. All right, Travis. All so, right. So it's the, it's the gorgeflyshop.com. It's just gorgeflyshop.com. That's right. I always get that wrong. I always think the gorge, right? So it's everybody the, puts the in front of it. That's right. And <laughs> I, I just say, so that's good to clear. And then the gorge, could you spell that for us just so we get that right? G-O-R-G-E-F-L-Y-S-H-O-P. That's it. All right. All right, Travis. Hey, thanks again for coming on. I'm going to keep up with you here. And for sure, that uh, that uh, meetup here is in a few months. So we'll check back on that. And until then, I'll talk to you. Have a good time. All right. Thank all you, right. Dave. All right. See you, Travis. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to webflyswing.com slash 133. A reminder on the new podcast launch that's coming up very soon. If you have a business or are an entrepreneur and want to uh, improve your game online, wetflyswing.com slash online for more information and to be there for the big launch. Be great to have your support for this one when we get going. Thanks again for stopping by. Check out the show today. I'm looking forward to catching up soon. I hope maybe see you online or on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.